Good morning and welcome to today's convocation. I want to thank Luke and Jose Mauricio for helping us this morning with the music. Each year from September 15 to October 15, the United States celebrates Hispanic Heritage Month to recognize the economic, cultural, and social contributions of the more than 44 million Latinos residing in the U.S. The dates of Hispanic Heritage Month were selected to include the Independence Day celebrations of Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, 
Nicaragua, Mexico, and Chile, and to incorporate October 12th, Dia de la Raza, a holiday celebrated throughout Latin America to observe the colonization, exploration, and multicultural heritage of the Americas. This morning, I want to introduce a native of Argentina. He currently works for Mennonite Mission Network, developing his Hispanic programs in churches throughout North America. He has lived in Argentina and Ecuador. I met him in Quito when I was 15. Uh, he introduced me to the Anabaptist theology, and this experience changed my life. In addition, he encouraged me to study in the United States. I present to you this morning a friend and a mentor, Mauricio Chenlo. Thank you, it's great to be here. Isn't that music wonderful? Uh, still re reminds me when I, I used to be a mission worker in, in Ecuador, in mountains. You, you really need to go to those places to really feel that those, those winds, uh, you feel those winds in the mountains. It's just fascinating to connect it's, it's just unbelievable that I, I, I found an Otavaleño here. <laughs> you know, it's uh, incredible. Well, great. Well, uh, <clears throat> the theme I will try to articulate this morning is, is sort of a part of uh, an existential challenge in my life. Um, uh, sort of how do you become a, how do you work on cultural identity and belonging and intercultural competence when you are a sort of hybrid person? You, you know, you, I grew up uh, in Buenos Aires in a northern suburb. I remember in my block when I was a little kid, uh, uh, hearing Italian, Southern Italian, all the time. You know, playing soccer on the streets uh, and hearing, you know, the mamas calling you for lunch. Maurizio, Garbello, ah, all that screaming was very familiar to me. <clears throat> uh, and then, you know, getting out of my neighborhood and uh, interacting with other Argentine kids that will come from German, Spanish, native, all, all kind of peoples, you know. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, that kind of background growing up, and then, you know, as I became an adult, uh, I had the, the chance to meet, you know, I attended AMBS. I remember that. The reason why I wanted to attend AMBS was because of a man that is here, John Driver. <laughs> uh, John Driver was a teacher in our Bible college in Buenos Aires, and he was the first person to articulate Anabaptist theology and history in the early 80s. And remembering that, I, I remember reading The Politics of Jesus by John Howard Yoder, 
say, I want to go to school where this guy is, you know. And I didn't have a clue about Mennonites, Amish. Uh, to me, it was a fascinating experience to come to this area. <clears throat> and then, you know, uh, life took me to, to uh, Buenos Aires, back to Buenos Aires. I was working for five years in a consultant company, uh, Human Resources, and I was working on two areas, conflict uh, resolution and teamwork at Unilever. I don't know if you know that company. Unilever is it's a multinational company. They have people everywhere in the world. And I remember that <clears throat> I was one year, my job was basically to work with young professionals in, a, in one of the factories. And uh, young professionals that came from all over the world. So there were Japanese, Chinese, British, Mexicans, Brazilians, Argentines, uh, European, I mean people, young folks from all over, you know. And in interacting with them, uh, you know, I kind of, I felt we all spoke in English, we all spoke with different accents, we all look different. But, you know, in, in interacting with them, I kind of saw, you know, these young guys, people like probably you, when you're going to be working, you know, they were able to, to interact across the cultures in a way that was so natural for them that I felt like, wow, what is it? You know, what is it that kind of uh, connects these guys in a way that is it's kind of peaceful, you know? Smoothly, and so of course they were they were working in the market. They were producing, you know, uh, things to to bring profit and money for <laughs> Unilever. But I I recall those times like you know I, I don't see this in church, you know I don't see this in even in in in, in uh, Mennonite schools, you know. So what what is it? And one of the things that <clears throat> I kind of started to study the issue of cultural identity. Uh, you know, my, my question in my mind was kind of how do, you, how do you come to a point in which you feel comfortable with your own culture and at the same time, you know, you are not sort of uh, uh, impulsive or aggressive toward other cultures. How do you become, how do you make peace with your own cultural background you know, how do you feel comfortable with being raised in a southern Italian suburb, <laughs> being a kind of, uh, uh, you know, a strong Argentine kind of person. At the same time, you respect everybody in the world and you learn from everybody in the world, you know, from Quichuas in Ecuador, from Mennonites, German Mennonites, Russian Mennonites, all those kind of Mennonites, uh, and, and then from Hispanics, and then, you know, I live in, North Carolina, boy, that's different. It's a different thing. It's Raleigh, it's Southern. You know, the accents, the foods, everything is different to what you see here. So how do you come to, to peace with all these things? So I, I sort of started researching, you know, the whole thing of uh, how cultural identity is built. Uh, and for me, this was very meaningful 
because I'm, I'm very interested in conflict transformation. Uh, you know, and I believe that we live in times in our world today, in our global village, in which the whole issue of intercultural competence is probably one of the key issues of our times. Uh, you know, when you, I, I know if you, if you've seen this CNN show on God's Warriors by Christiana Amanpour, I, I don't watch much of CNN, but they were showing, they were showing, they were try, she was trying to show how these, the Shiites, you know, our enemies now, you know, the, how the Shiites uh, interpret their faith. You know who the Shiites are. Okay, I don't need to explain that. Uh, and she was showing, you know, a bunch of Shiites worshiping in the day. You know, they, they, they sort of follow, uh, I think it's the grandson of Muhammad or the, uh, some sort of family of Muhammad. And they were, <laughs> they were showing on TV these guys to express their passion and, you know, allegiance to their faith they will hit their chest like gorillas. Ah, you hit, you know, bang the surf with, you know, I, I kind of, you know, and you, if you were, I mean, one of my children came in when I was watching that show and said, who are these crazy guys? Oh, these are the Shiites. <laughs> and, and then, you know, they were in worship doing all this thing, you know, and mourning and crying, you know, the death of this grandson of Muhammad, all that kind of thing. And then uh, Christiana Manpur show another picture of, uh, you know, a typical uh, Protestant <laughs> a Sunday worship in America. All people like us, sitting like us, standing up, singing, you know, all in <laughs> kind of very, very still kind of people. And then you, you kind of look at those two pictures and say, sure, you yeah. know. I mean, if you, if you don't have an understanding of the background, religious background of these people and their culture, you probably think, wow, these guys, they're nuts, and they're going to kill us. So before they kill us, we need to do something about it, you know, preemptive strike or something. You know? So I, I think it's very important for every of us to sort of uh, understand how a cultural formation and cultural identity is formed. Uh, you know, it, and when you read on this topic, there are three things they say are very important in, in cultural identity. One is, uh, is called an examine cultural identity. You know, uh, it's kind of, you take for granted your culture, uh, and you don't have much interest in exploring cultural issues. This is typical of children. You know, if you go to a school, elementary school, and you start asking the children, you know, do you see culture among yourselves? You know, children will say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, you know. Uh, I was in Brownsville, Texas, in a church, and <clears throat> I was talking to a middle schooler uh, and trying to talk about this cultural thing, uh, and he said, you know, my parents tell me about where they lived. He said something like this. But what do I care? I never lived there. This is a Mexican-American kid. You know, I, I don't care. They talk about that. You know, I, I don't care about Mexico. There, then another example of an examined cultural identity. 
uh, an African-American female in Raleigh, again, a middle schooler, she said, why do I have to learn who was the first black woman to do this or that? I'm, I'm just not too interested in that kind of thing. This, the third example, and this is funny, too, you know, I was talking to a young kid, Caucasian. He said, I don't have a culture. I'm just American. <laughs> that was so, so funny. You know? I don't have a culture. Wow. Then, you know, the kind of, you know, in cultural identity, you go through this unexamined cultural identity thing through cultural identity search. It's kind of, you know, when you're kind of your age in college, you know, folks start asking, exploring and questioning, you know, uh, things. Uh, these are all quotes from people that I met. One person said to me in Raleigh, I think people should know what black people had to go through to get to where we are now. This was a, in a supper club. A supper club is, is, a, is something we do. It's an interracial uh, meal we have every, every month there in, in, in Raleigh Mennonite Church. Uh, so this woman, she was, she was, yeah, she was right. She was a young woman. Uh, you know, in, in, in North Carolina, if you go to Raleigh or to the Triangle area, Cary, Durham, Chapel Hill, it's wonder, wonderland, beautiful. Now get out of Raleigh, go northeast, drive 25 miles, 30 miles, rural area, tobacco, cotton, and the plantations. And there's where you start to see the black history. Poverty, extreme poverty. Guys hanging around. The redneck culture. Have you heard about this Gina thing? In, that, that's still alive, folks. You know, and so when, when these African-American friends, brothers and sisters, they say, you know, for me it's important to know this whole thing. Because, you know, Mauricio, believe it or not, it's still there. You know, when I got to Raleigh the first month, I, I didn't understand anything. Of the, I, didn't, I couldn't catch the accent. And they couldn't understand me either. You know? <laughs> but I was, I was putting gas, listen, I was putting gas in my car, pumping gas. Okay, you go, credit card, self-help kind of thing, putting gas. Another guy drove in, African-American in, how do you call it, the aisles, in front of me, put his credit card seemed like he was having trouble, didn't work. He tried another thing, and I was observing the situation. And you know what? <laughs> this was unbelievable. The guy at the, how do you call it, the cabin, or where they have the cashier, he was from there, from behind the glass, doing this. What do you think that is? I've seen it more than once with Latinos and African-Americans. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you got a color, you pay here inside. <laughs> we don't take your credit card. Imagine if you grew up with that. 
You go crazy. I know my Italian blood will say, you know, you put away your, all your pacifist kind of things and you go there punching people. I mean, you, you, you get so angry about things. Now, you know, in cultural identity search, another example, when I was in Argentina in my early years of church, I was, uh, happened to be a youth pastor and there were several uh, Asian kids that will come to our church. Uh, and there was a Korean kid, Kun Yu. What's his name? Very smart kid. Uh, he said, you know what, Mauricio, there are, there are a lot of non-Korean people around me. And it gets pretty confusing to try to decide who I am. So this kid was very confused, you know, because we were all kind of typical Argentines, and he was looking for a point of reference. Another Mexican-American female told me, I want to know what we do and how our culture is different from others. Now, the third component, and the last one, is what is called cultural identity achievement. This is a typical way of putting things in academic fashion. And this is when you come to a point where you feel comfortable with your culture. And I can quote several things. My culture is very important, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of being an Argentine because we are the masters of soccer, my, my son told me. I reminded him that we had the Brazilians. <laughs> so be more humble. But you know, for him, it was so, it's, when, whenever he, he goes anywhere, he plays soccer, he said, you know, this is, this is my credential, this is my ID, you know, soccer, the ball, you know, and Argentine. Uh, another person told me, I used to be confusing too, but it's clear now, I'm happy being black. This was a young man in Raleigh. So, <clears throat> is, is it enough to, to come to a point where you feel comfortable with your own culture? Uh, is it enough to be sort of tolerant in a diverse place like this? And I, I believe Goshen College aims to be a, a diversity welcoming place. Is it enough to say, you know, yeah, you go with your Latino thing, you go with your African-American thing, you go with your German Mennonite thing, we are all cool here. I, I sort of don't believe so that in a, in, a, in a school like this, is it enough to believe that uh, owning or achieving comfort with your own culture is your major goal? I think new leadership in the global village and people coming from these type of schools uh, need to be a transforming presence. And I believe in my, in my own experience there are three habits or practices or things that are crucial uh, in order to become transforming leaders in the global village. The first example comes from someone we know pretty well, is Gandhi. <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you read Gandhi's books or saw the movie, but you probably all know Gandhi. Gandhi was a young professional in, in England. 
he was, you know, he would just look in the movie, you know, he looked like any Englishman with his wonderful suits and ties. And then, you know, he went after that, he decided to go to South Africa. He was in Durban, South Africa for a year. And then finally, he decided to go back to India. And he went, when he got back to India, uh, you know, he says, I got out of that train and I look at all the people around me and I look at myself <laughs> and I felt, I'm not, I'm not an Indian. So you know what he did? He decided to travel India for three years by train. And he went to all places in India searching for his Indian identity. Uh, now, what is the lesson with Gandhi? Um, I think the, the lesson is if you don't know who you are in terms of your own cultural heritage, you will have trouble with self-esteem issues. You will have trouble with the notion of, even with if you are thinking of uh, entering into an interracial, intercultural <laughs> uh, uh, marriage, beware. You better know who you are in terms of your own cultural identity. Because, boy, that's going to be a whole, really, <laughs> ball game to interact with someone that is different from your culture. It looks very romantic. It looks, you know, very exotic, you know, very cool. Uh, but I tell you what, if you are not really comfortable with your own culture of origin, you are in trouble if you enter into an interracial relationship because that kind of thing is going to work out against you. And I have a few friends here that are in the, that business of being in intercultural. We, we have a few stories. I'm not, I'm not going to expose them. The second example, so the first thing that is very important is know yourself. I don't care if you're, you know, a German Mennonite from Kansas. Be, be peace with that. Feel comfortable with that. That's cool. That's who you are. Don't apologize for that. <laughs> you know, uh, feel comfortable with the idea of who you are in terms of race. If you are from Ethiopia, from Kenya, from Colombia, feel comfortable with that. You know, make peace with your own cultural heritage. You know, in the Bible, there are all kinds of examples in the Old Testament. You know, God will normally, when he will reveal himself to different characters in the Bible, he will say, I'm the God of your fathers and mothers. I'm the God of your ancestors. What do you think that's important? You know, there, there should be a point of reference in your cultural identity. The second example comes from a video clip that we're going to see right now. Uh, have you seen this movie, The Motorcycle Diaries? How many of you saw it? All right, good. Well, I'm not trying to promote Che Guevara here. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, uh, I, <clears throat> you know who he is, uh, who he was. Uh, I, I don't share many of his ideas, but I think that if you saw the movie, you saw two guys that were kind of young, and adventurous, and they were kind of sick of, you know, school. But <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you are. Uh, they were, they were met school, 
And these two guys, Fusser, Ernesto Guevara, and his friend, Alberto Granados, they said, why don't we go uh, uh, on, a, on a sort of adventurous trip uh, from, from Argentina, southern to, no, to southern Chile, and then we go up to, to Venezuela, and we meet all these different cultures and do something and have fun. You know, they want to have fun, you know, partying with girls and drinking and all that kind of stuff. They were not looking for transformation. They were looking for fun, uh, for the exotic element. Now, if you saw the movie, <clears throat> you know, you could see that these guys will go from Chile, you know, to southern Bolivia and then Peru. And when they were in Peru, Che Guevara, he said, <clears throat> uh, hey, do you see how reality changed from the time we left Buenos Aires and now we are <laughs> in the Altiplano in Bolivia? Do you see the faces of the campesinos? It's kind of they were wakening up to, to the native component of Latin America, you know. Darse cuenta, they started to open their eyes. And let's see the, the clip. And, and do we still have time here? Are the lights? Mira, Mial, todo este tiempo que pasamos en la ruta sucedió algo. Algo que, que tengo que pensar por mucho tiempo. Cuánta injusticia, ¿no? Bueno, te quería decir algo muy importante. Yo no cumplo años lo de abril, cumplo recién el 8 de agosto. Te lo dije para motivar. Se sabía, hijo de puta. Sorry about that. It's, there are some times, you know.
don't know if you pay attention, if you saw that, but at one point, Che uh, Guevara said, you know what, this time that we have been on the road, something happened to me. I'm not the same. Uh, I think that, <clears throat> uh, you know, what was happening to this young guy was when he, he was seeing injustice, poverty, and all the kind of things we have in our world. And, and he wanted to see, you know, how he could respond to that. You know, after that, he went to, to Mexico, and there he met the, the brothers, Castros. And they nurtured him with the story of Marxism and communism. <laughs> so he said, well, that's the way to go. But uh, I think that <clears throat> uh, it's not enough to, to know your own cultural heritage. When you start seeing reality, and we, we start seeing the real world out there, and when you start seeing suffering, ignorance, exclusion, injustice, and oppression, don't look the other way. Get involved. Get involved from where? Well, we have an Anabaptist heritage here. We don't have Marx, but we have uh, our really wonderful Anabaptist heritage. Get involved. Let reality transform you. Don't be a pathetic, please. You know, don't, don't just go and say, well, I cannot change the world, you know. Don't become cynical. Get involved, do something about it, you know. Uh, I heard that you, 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 you started this cool intercultural Latino kind of thing, you know. Walk the streets, walk 8th Street, go straight. Meet the people, the faces. You want to become interculturally competent? Develop relationships with the different. Take all the training, research, academics, all the kind of things you will be helpful for you to, to learn. But don't avoid facing reality. And reality are people that are different from you. Learn from them. And then last, so the, the second principle for me is first one, get to know yourself. The second one, get involved, you know. This whole issue of the immigration problem in Europe and in America is, is not an issue just to learn more about it through the news or through the ignorance of many people that are talking about it out there. If you want to know the immigrants and know their stories, engage with them in conversations. Talk to them. Listen to them. Uh, in the third and the last element, I think that it's very important that when you are able to, to, to own your own culture, when you are able to get involved with the other, you know, the third crucial element, don't take seriously your own fragment. And remember that reality is fragmentary. So, you know, become a mediator. Become someone, a peacemaker, you know, someone that will help folks to come together, understand each other. You know, I really admire people like John Paul Lederach, you know. I don't know if you know him, but read his books, you know, The Journey to a Reconciliation. You know, how we, I think Mennonites, we are uniquely fashioned, you know, shaped in a way that we could become 
the people that will bring the message, hey, we are all one humanity. Okay? We all belong to the same people. You know, we need to talk to each other. We need to understand where you're coming from. You know, we Mennonites, we are uniquely, you know, positioned in the faith community of this country to come and say, we are all one humanity. We don't exclude, we include. It's not, it's not a deficit to know more than one language. <laughs> Where in the world is a deficit to know French, Italian, German, Spanish, and English. Tell me, where in the world, how could people say, oh, we speak English, yeah, that's the language. Oh, of course we speak English. But how in the world could be a deficit to know another language? That's ignorance, my friends. So I believe you become a transforming agent of a culture of peace when you incorporate these practices and values, universal values. Again, first, embrace who you are where you come from. Learn about your own cultural ancestors. Love yourself. Be who you are. Second, don't look the other way when faced with suffering, injustice, discrimination, oppression. Get involved, speak out. And third, whenever possible, become a catalyst of understanding, dialogue, love and peace, work for the common good of humanity, help others to become aware of their fragmentary understanding of reality. Thank you, my friends. You are dismissed, and uh, there is a meet and greet at CITL offices right after this. Thank you. <laughs>